Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World, Hank Waters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks flirting with records. The dollar is falling. Mixed economic data in the U.S. economy is bolstering speculation. The Federal Reserve will be in no rush to raise interest rates. Oil rallying today, 48.08 for a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude up 1.4%. Brent crude up 1.6%. Natural gas advancing 2.7%. The tenure down 230 seconds yield 1.55%. S&P 500 index up 5 to 21.88, a gain of 3 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 19, a gain of 4 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 26, a gain of 1 tenth of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Will the deal get done? Will Bayer consummate an acquisition of Monsanto? Here to tell us more, Jeff McCracken, Managing Editor, Global M&A, IPOs, Restructurings, and Activists for Bloomberg News. He can be followed on Twitter at J.C. McCracken. All right, J.C. McCracken, tell us what's going on with Bayer or bear for those old enough to remember and monsanto <laughs> well mr grant <clears throat> hugh grant the ceo of monsanto about two years ago he tried to buy he monsanto tried to buy syngenta and it's all his fault because that didn't work out not the first time or the second time but he he showed the world and showed his investors that there needs to be consolidation and that he would support a big consolidation play among the agrochemical space. Well, he's no longer the buyer. He is the target as Bayer or Bayer, however you want to pronounce the German company. They've made a run at Monsanto. Their first offer was roughly 122 a share. They bumped it to 125 a share. The two sides are making some progress now on the price and probably more importantly, the termination fee, which is what would get paid to Monsanto if regulators in Europe or in the United States blocked the deal. Why would Hugh Grant, the chief executive of Monsanto, why would he go from being an acquirer to being someone that would be acquired? And should anybody in their St. Louis headquarters be nervous? Are there going to be job cuts? Is there overlap? If <clears throat> Certainly there will be some job cuts. People don't like to admit that. But when two similar companies or companies that do similar things come together, there will inevitably be people who are in HR or people who are in IT or in accounting, you know, just operations that could be done by, you know, someone else in another country that they will lose those. They, those jobs will go away, whether they are hundreds or thousands of people. Uh, to answer the, the, your first question about how Monsanto became a target, it's simply the fact that they couldn't get the Syngenta deal done and they've become they've just become uh, an easy takeout candidate for someone like buyer buyer is roughly 90 billion plus in market cap whereas before all this began monsanto was half that 
Um, they've not had a great couple of years. Monsanto's missed some earnings targets and pulled back on some of their guidance in terms of profitability and EBITDA. So they had been shrinking until this offer came along. Now this deal, if it gets done, we're going to be, we'll probably value Monsanto at 60 billion or more, which is a lot of money, but Bayer is a big enough company and can borrow enough money. Banks in Europe are willing to lend to them that they can get that deal done. All right. Just talking about money, uh, we know that Hugh Grant, the chief executive, he would get about $26 million if he was terminated after a change in, in control of uh, the company. We're not implying that he would be, but uh, that's just uh, in his contract. Does Bayer really need this deal? Why are they doing it? There's been a slowdown, if you will, in spending by the by their their customers, their consumers, if you will, which are mostly big farms. Um, there's been a lot of pressure on food prices. There's been a lot of pressure on these farmers, and they're not spending as much money on the seeds, or don't want to spend as much money on the seeds and the fertilizers that they would get from Bayer or Monsanto. You know. The other thing that's going on if you're a buyer is you can't ignore the fact that Syngenta did get acquired by a big Chinese company, ChemChina, and Dow and DuPont are both are also coming together. So if you don't consolidate, you are going to be under pressure from others who are coming together and doing the kinds of deals you wish you would be doing at buyer. Regulatory oversight? I mean, are these guys going to end up controlling, what, maybe three-quarters of the market for... Like cotton? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would not be surprised if the regulators either in EU or in the United States took very long, hard looks at these deals. That's why the termination fee is so important. Because if you're Monsanto and you agree to a deal... Put yourself on the block. You're not put yourself on the block, but show people you're willing to be sold. And then the deal gets blocked six months from now. You want something for the effort, which in their case will probably be a couple billion dollars. Uh, the the biggest, I think, hurdle will be CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. They ex, they will investigate whether there's a national security issue. Monsanto doesn't make missiles or bombs, but they are very crucial to our food supply here in the United States. So people, the, the regulators there will look very closely at who buyer is and what they're thinking of doing. Thanks very much for enlightening us, keeping us up to date. I know you're going to be writing about this until the deal closes. Jeff McCracken, he is managing editor of Global M&A IPOs, Restructuring and Activists for Bloomberg News. And you can follow him on Twitter at JC. McCracken. All right, we turn now to the world of politics and Mike Nietzsche. He is our executive editor for Bloomberg Politics and he can be followed on Twitter at Mike Nietzsche, N-I-Z-Z-A. And he's here to tell us a little bit about the campaign. And I want to start off, Mike, by getting your thoughts or just give us an update on the evidence that Donald Trump may or may not be changing or altering or in some way amending uh, his uh, position on immigration reform. Sure. So uh, this week actually started on Sunday with uh, the new campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, saying that this would be immigration week and uh, he would be holding a roundtable and then uh, and then delivering a, a major policy speech on Thursday that would articulate. That was his, supposed to be in Colorado. Yes. And, uh, and then by, by Monday, that was pushed back or delayed. Uh, the schedule was kind of thrown up, uh, uh, the, the whole schedule was kind of torn up, and then this morning we received a new schedule that did not include the uh, the immigration policy speech, but did include uh, more roundtables and and the campaign 
uh, says that Trump is seeking counsel on his immigration uh, policy right now. Is that because it has been misinterpreted, at least according to the Trump campaign, by obviously uh, Democratic opponents? Yeah, I think they they feel like they've uh, that the, the reporting on on their actual plan has been inaccurately reported by uh, by the media. But uh, but also they've had problems in the past in rolling out their their message and making sure people are uh, are getting the right uh, uh, the big things right. And so I think uh, when it comes to the main leg of the immigration policy that they're focusing on this week, which is uh, uh, Trump's uh, pledge over a year ago to de- to uh, to deport all illegal immigrants, uh, and now they're saying that that's that's not you know a major shift from where policy is is at right now. According to U.S. law, undocumented undocumented immigrants uh, must be sent back. It's just not being enforced to uh, to the fullest. Is is kind of where they're ending up on this. Now he made some of these comments in an appearance on Fox News with Bill O'Reilly. He did. That was a that was an amazing interview. I think uh, any close observer of uh, of Donald Trump uh, had their jaw dropped for at least a few seconds of it when he uh, appeared to give Obama credit for uh, for the work he'd done in deporting undocumented immigrants. And in fact, uh, uh, President Obama has been labeled uh, uh, supporter in chief by uh, by uh, immigration uh, rights groups. Uh, you know, as recently as a few years ago. Um, so he, he kind of said that he would uh, model his own approach after Obama's and uh, and apply the law. He just he would just do it with uh, with more energy uh, is what he suggested. Tell us about uh, Donald Trump and uh, whether the spending that the campaign is doing, will it match what Hillary Clinton is doing? Because I understand mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, the NFL season is upon us and the <laughs> Democrats, they say they're going to spend millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's any way uh, that the Trump campaign can spend as much as the Clinton campaign. Uh, they got a much later start in uh, in raising money, uh, mostly because uh, Trump was uh, self-funding his primary run, and that was a major selling point for him. Uh, and then it took a little longer than usual to set up the general election fundraising operation. Uh, they raised a lot of money in July, definitely almost reached parity with the uh, Clinton campaign. Uh, but uh, it's it's still uh, it's not only a challenge to to raise the money, but also to spend it. And I think uh, what we saw in July is that they weren't spending the money on ads; they were spending it on a, uh, on television ads, which is usually a huge expenditure for uh, for campaigns and also uh, ground operations where you're uh, you're paying to open offices and get people to go door to door and con- convince voters uh, to vote for you in battleground states. According to a spokesman for Priorities USA, which is the uh, political action committee backing uh, Hillary Clinton, they say that uh, they've not spent the bulk of $160 million in ad reservations that they've already made. Yeah, it's really uh, it's 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 really a completely uh, asymmetric uh, war when it comes to that. Thanks very much for joining us. Mike Nietzsche is executive editor, Bloomberg Politics. Go ahead, follow him on Twitter at Mike Nietzsche, N-I-Z-Z-A. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host Kathleen Hayes is on her way to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for the Federal Reserve Annual Symposium. Janet Yellen speaks Friday, 10 a.m. Wall Street time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar, and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.